college football season is in the books. We've got a lot to discuss. Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Jimmy Lake, I don't know, learn how to read the room. Uh, Gary Patterson and coaches, you know, middle of the season are kind of going uh, going awry. Uh, high school football coach feels like uh, 106 is better than 104. 106 points to nothing. What are the roles of these coaches? And uh, we'll talk uh, top 25 poll and a lot of things. Dory Bennett, Scott Ligo, before we get into that, I've got a lot of problems. I, I really do. I, I, my main issue is... We've gone trick-or-treating Halloween, and I've got candies everywhere, and they're they're on the desk and in the bag. So I keep opening them up the way I'm doing right now. I'm eating M&Ms all day. I got the little sugar twitch rush. Anyway, how was your Halloween weekend? Uh, Dory, we'll, we'll start with you. Well, my Halloween weekend was great because it, it I... Yeah, I was in, I was down at the Berkeley Marina for two days to whoo, get away, get away, get away. And uh, Halloween was great. I didn't do, uh, I didn't do anything. Well, thanks and a lot, Dory. <laughs> if you have that much candy hanging around, gives me a stomach ache. So you, you, you go, dude, you go. Scott, um, did you go trick-or-treating with the family, the kids? What's going on? Well, what I did is I went out to my daughter's house, which was really cool. Uh, she lives in a new neighborhood out Lake Stevens. We probably had about 400 kids. So that was cool. And I'm a sucker for little kids. So, you know, my wife's like, one piece. And I'm like, no, that one's getting two. And that one's getting three because that one's really cute. That one's getting four. Um, I love it. But, but to be quite frank and honest, it, it's uh, is we both, as we all know, uh, you know, a diabetic's night or week. Um, you know, you, uh, you end up, uh, seeing a lot of candy and, you know, maybe the things that you shouldn't be doing. So, uh, but, uh, it was, it's, it's a fun weekend. I just love little kids to be honest with you. So I like to give away. So it worked good for me. Speaking of a fun weekend and trick or treating, um, there was a really big matchup this past weekend and one of them got tricked. Another one, it was a nice treat. That was Michigan and Michigan state. Um, Scott, Harbaugh is now 0-6 going up against top 10 teams. Um, He's not getting it done. He he can't win that game. Uh, Obviously, it was a close game. It was an entertaining game. It was highly entertaining game. 37-33 was the final. But just as far as the pressure and everything else, the expectations for Harbaugh, Harbaugh, are they fair or not fair? Oh, they're, they're certainly fair. I mean, he's been there eight years. Um, uh, he's had more time than to get this re- ready and right. Uh, he's had to redo his staff a couple times, uh, make some changes there. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate for these big dollar jobs. That's what you get you, paid for. And to be kind of honest with you, I feel, you know, I don't ever like to see coaches get fired for personal reasons. But unfortunately, I think the drums are going to be beating pretty hard here in a couple of weeks when his team shows up to Ohio State and, he hasn't beaten them in this whole time, his whole tenure there. So, uh, unfortunately, that comes with the lay of the land. Uh, but it's, you know, you're right. I mean, to be honest with you, well, I mean, they're up 30 to 14 at one point. I mean, at that point, don't you just kind of play ping pong and just get yourself to the victory? And uh, But hats off to Michigan State, man. The kids played hard and won it. And, 
you know, uh, I know you're a Kenneth Walker Jr. fan. So five, one, two, three, four, five touchdowns. My man, I, I, like, listen, I was on his bandwagon week one. I saw yeah. that kid run. I said, oh, 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 yeah. this this dude's got some talent. Dory, you know, yeah. big game, big matchup. Obviously, there were a lot of repercussions from that game. Just just your thoughts and uh, yeah, just share your thoughts with that game. Well, first of all, uh, Mel Tucker should be in the running for coach of the year at this point because what he's accomplished, no other Michigan State head coach has ever accomplished. And that is he's beaten Michigan the first two seasons he coached at Michigan State. So he, he, he's already up there. And, and then they have 40 players from the transfer portal. So he has, in the last two years, he has transformed this team through the transfer portal. And for Michigan State, everybody is coming together and blending. And I just thought it was a huge uh Great coaching to keep his players focused and in the game when they got down 30 to 14. The quarterback and the wide receiver for Michigan State have played football together since they were in peewee football. And and Peyton Thorne, uh, Peyton Thornton, right? Peyton Thorne is their quarterback. And he had a rough start. Michigan's defense was all over it. And he had a really rough start. So kudos to the whole staff. Mel Tucker, when he was interviewed after the game, gave credit to his coaches, the players, and the Michigan State faithful that have stayed with them and have supported them. So I'm, I have a mixed feelings about Michigan State. Sometimes uh, my brother was there for a very short period of time with John L. Smith, and. Uh, but what a huge win, huge win. And when you come, man, as a Husky, you always want Michigan to lose. So it was awesome. We're taking a look at the Big Ten Conference. We see Michigan State, 8-0, sitting atop yeah. and uh, and playing really well. Obviously, Ohio State is, you know, playing at a really, really high level at this point. And one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm. All the way down to number six, we see these Nittany Lions that started out really strong and have now lost three in a row. Scott, three in a row. It's a problem. I mean, they, they went through a losing streak last year. You go through another losing streak this year, you know, lose to Illinois. Obviously, I was a game that they should have won. Um Scott, what, where, where do they go from here? They've got Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, and then, oh, by the way, they finished the season with the Spartans. Where, where do you go from here? What do you hope? If you're if you're going to be glass half full, what are you hoping for? Well, I, I mean, obviously what you just said. I mean, they, they you know, hopefully get themselves straightened around this, you know, this weekend with Maryland. I uh, get feeling good. Obviously, Michigan's coming the next week. Hopefully, they're a little more down. Um you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know who Michigan has this week. I know Ohio State goes to Nebraska. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. You know, I, you know, as frustrating as it was being where they're at five and three, you know, the, you know, they, they did play Ohio State way tougher than I think a lot of people thought they were going to. They're expected to win by 18 and a half points. 
So they, you know, and they, and, they, and you know, as we talked prior to putting on the show, they were in a position that, you know, I honestly, when they were down 24-30, I saw 31-30 vision in my head, but I didn't think mm. they could do this, but they just cannot get over that hump offensively. And, um, you know, I thought they did, you know, for the most part, played pretty good defense against that vaunted uh, Ohio State offense. I mean, it's, they got dudes. <laughs> they got three NFL wide receivers. They got a, probably a guy at tight end's going to play. They got some offensive linemen. I think that QB will probably eventually make it to the league. So, I mean, they, 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 they played well. I mean, you got to give it to them, but uh, offensively, they've just got to, you know, get a little bit more over the hump and make it happen. But it is what it is. Well, there's nobody, nobody feeling sorry for them. They got to figure this out and they've got, you know, five weeks. And like you said, they've, they've got some tough ones. I've got Michigan, Michigan state. Uh, you know, I know, I don't want to, I don't want to rub you wrong because I know how you get with that Rutgers team. So I don't want to, you know, make you mad. Ooh. So the going to come in here and, you know, so hopefully I get there, feel good this week, got Michigan and then get Rutgers and then, you know, comes down to that big Michigan state game, and, you know, so, and hopefully get bowl eligible. That's the other part that we both know that uh, that's what, you know, ultimately what all these teams are about trying to get bowl eligible, more practices. So, so. Uh, Dory, you know, we were talking before uh, we started recording and uh, we were talking about James Franklin's um, press conference. Would you like to elaborate and uh, share your thoughts? Well, uh, look, it feels like Coach Franklin had a really rough week. Um, to They started the ESPN, all the national sports media were running this press conference and he was taking a ton of heat. And every time they ran it, it had something to do with, yeah, you know, we're just thinking, I'm only thinking we're focused on Illinois. That's who we're focused on this week. Um, they have a really good team. We know what they're bringing to the, to the game. And, and I thought they were running the press conference from the week before. I'm like, people, you're running the wrong press conference. Oh no, it got better. Then he says, uh, yeah, that game we're focused on, we, we're going to the big house this week and it's really going to be tough in there and really loud. Well, the big house is Michigan and Michigan played Michigan State. Ohio State plays at the shoe. So I think Coach Franklin, and again, I don't know him personally, but I think he had a lot on his plate between firing and hiring a new agent fielding questions about the SC game, having just lost a nine overtime game to Illinois, that must have still been on his mind. So I, yeah, he, he got, he got, it, it was unfortunate that, um, you know, sometimes we all forget, right? But unfortunately, his was during a press conference and he needed Joe right there behind him like he is on the sidelines. Yeah. To say, hey, coach, dude, uh, dude, we're playing at the shoe this week. Well, the, the, the good the good thing, though, is at least he has a good sense of humor. When he got into town Friday night, he pinned himself at the big house on, on Twitter. So. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's that's cute. so good. Right? I like that. I like yeah. that. No, I least, think he's a I think he's a you know, I wish I knew him personally. I do. Yeah. I, I think he has nothing but great, great. He, he he's a up here high class first class integrity dude yeah. from what i understand listen i think they're gonna have a hard time uh, I don't, i'm not trying to be debbie downer um 
I, I think he goes two and two the next four games. And the only reason I say that is I don't have faith that his quarterback can stay healthy. And and, that, and, and, yeah. and that's my concern or, or as healthy as healthy to play, because obviously he's hurting. He has injuries. Yeah. So he's going through a lot already. So it's really it's play by play, hit by hit when it comes to their quarterback. And we've already seen that the backup quarterback is not capable. And I hate talking about a kid like that, but, you know, let's just keep it in context for what it is. I'm just talking about the play of what we've seen on the field. So I think it's going to be really difficult the next four weeks, you know, trying to keep the quarterback healthy. You're going to play Michigan. You know, we saw no matter what we say about Michigan, they're going to be physical. They're going to play you physical. Michigan State's well, and going to play you physical. Yeah. And they're seven and one. I mean, we're talking about Michigan like they're going to have a losing season. <laughs> yeah. There's the people. They are seven and one. So, you know, if one loss sends you down the road, then there's something going on in, in internally that's not working, but they're seven and one. Here's so, our, I'm sorry. Here's our, here's our look of our uh, top uh, top poll here from the AP. You got Georgia and Cincinnati one and two. Alabama's back in the picture. You know, they, they lose and, um, you know, they just hang out for a week or two with, uh, yeah. with the bottom feeders, you know, just to say hello. You know, it's kind of like, a, you know, I'm going to the VIP room, but I'll, I'll mingle first with everybody else. And then, okay, I'm all right. I'm done with you guys. I'll move right back into the VIP room. Uh, Oklahoma at four, you know, the, since the quarterback changed, they play really well. Uh, it was really interesting to see them um, win handily and and then bring in Rattler to mop, for mop-up duty. It's just like, you know, if we would have had this conversation at the beginning of the season, just can't wrap your head around something like that. So, and that rounds up the top 10. We got Michigan state at number five. Um, obviously they've got Purdue, Maryland, Ohio state and Penn state. Obviously if they run the table, they have to be one of the top four teams and it'll be really interesting to see if Cincinnati is going to find a way to stay at number two. Yeah. They don't, they don't have any more competition. It's not their fault, but the rest of their schedule is just not good. So, yeah. you know, if you look at Oklahoma, let's say things stay the way they are, Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Michigan State runs the table. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for Cincinnati fans, but they might get bumped. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, first of all, Cincinnati needs Notre Dame to win all the rest of their games and win big. Because what we know that the committee will do is that they will look at level of competition and who you played and then how that team performed to, to really streamline the, the, the process. So Cincinnati needs Notre Dame now to be their very best friend for sure and go out and put a stamp on every single game they play. Uh, that that's I think that's number one. I think if Michigan State runs the table and Cincinnati even comes close to a loss, Michigan State, I think, will jump up into that top four and Cincinnati will drop because of the strength of the Big Ten East for sure and the strength of the Big Ten across the board. Look at how many teams are in the top ten from the Big Ten. Yeah, the frustration for for Cincinnati too is to be honest with you is I don't know if you guys saw it but the end of the SMU Houston game 
uh, SMU scores at the last minute and with 27 seconds to go in the game to a kid who's already returned one touchdown to the house. They kick it off to him again, and he returns it to the house and wins the game for Houston. Now, there was a scenario that was talked about today. That So one of my point is that Cincinnati, their big game with SMU in a couple of weeks could have been way bigger and made it look better yeah. you know, for them. But can they then beat SMU there and then Houston wins and then maybe they play them in the in the championship and then beat two top 25 teams? That could help out their their, their resume. But, but uh, you were guys right. I mean, you know, the really frustration is that SMU loses that game in that fashion and really kind of screws up SMU having a real showdown in a couple of weeks for that big game. So uh, the other one that I would like to mention is where would maybe Wake Forest be if that Kenneth Walker Jr., and their program and Sam Hartman as their quarterback, where, where maybe they could be kind of in that conversation. I'm not a big AAC, I'm an ACC league fan, but I'm just saying that's an interesting scenario that you take out Kenneth Walker Jr., who's definitely my man. The third, uh, the third, the third, the the third. third. Uh, Mr. Will Sanchez's guy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting scenario, but uh, you know, I, I would highly doubt that Wake Forest is even going to be a sniff let alone, you know, a New Year's Day six game. Yeah, and, and we'll have these conversations as the season wraps up because we're only a couple of weeks away. And and going back to, all right, yes, we understand four teams get in, but wouldn't it be more fun? Just fun. Not saying that they're going to do, you know, go, go to the national championship. Wouldn't it be a little bit more fun to see a Wake Forest and a definite Cincinnati and, you know, you, you've got Oregon at seven and, you know, Notre Dame, you know, I, I believe at eight or whatever case, maybe to, to, to have those matchups, to have those matchups. And especially now you're going to get teams that don't play each other, you know, and you'll you'll have these these matchups only in these scenarios in the playoffs where they'll cross each other's paths. But that's not the case. NCAA waits 40 years before they decide to change anything. We were talking about playoffs. Years and years and years ago, they finally said, we're going to do playoffs after everybody complained about it for years and say, OK, we'll let four teams in. And I was like, all right, well, it's geez, Louise. We're, we're kind of back the same place. You know, we, we talked about Harbaugh, you know, and, and Dory made a great point. So, hey, hey, pump the brakes. They got they got one loss. They, they got one loss. They, they're still in the top 10. Well, pump your brakes. You know, but we, we talk about coaches and obviously, you know, it, it seems like that the Big Ten's a hotbed right now, whether it's Franklin staying or going or what's going to happen to Harbaugh and things like that. We just saw this past week where uh, TCU said adios to their two time national champion coach of the year in uh, Gary Patterson and um, Scott. You know, coaches getting fired at this time of the year. We've seen Rolovich leave for different reasons, but still it's, it's a program losing a coach. What does it do to the program? What does it do to the locker room? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think, I think if you, you know, you know, look at the bigger picture, I mean, Matt Wells got let go of Texas tech. You're talking about um, Clay Helton early at uh, USC. Forgot about um, Helton. You know, the, the effort level that USC is put, putting out right now. I mean, they, you know, to a, not a very filled uh, stadium, which we'll talk about a bit a little later. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it serves anybody's good purposes. I mean, I just don't. I just think at the end of the day, uh, you're trying to keep your program together, you're trying to, you know, keep your recruiting class together. You're trying to show something to help out the program. And people don't, 
I mean, it, it's easy for these boosters to say, we got to get rid of the person. We got to, you know, clean the house. Okay, great. But the, 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 the unintended effects down the road are really big. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, we all know that, you know, we, we can say what we want to try to be nice about recruiting. That stuff is used in recruiting. You don't want to go there. Look at that, the program. There's a array. They don't do this. They don't do that. I mean, it's just used and that kind of stuff. So I really don't like the, when they do it in the middle of the season. It's, it's frustration for me, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, let's be honest. Money is money, and that's what gets you, you know, it takes you in and takes you out. So that's the – but they're big boys, and they get it. I mean, that's what they're – you know, that's why they get those big checks. Dory. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Dory. No, no, I was no, just going to, I was just going to ask you from, uh, just from uh, the coach's kind of perspective and, and feel free to go in a different direction. I was just going to ask you, you know, what does it do to the coach and their family? And especially when you, you know, yeah, you, you uproot your family and you get fired in the middle of the season, what, from that point, you know, we talk about, you know, wins and losses and, you know, recruiting and things like that, but just for, for the families that, that move to a different state, to be a part of the program, they get fired in the middle of the season, and then you've got to figure out what you're going to do. How, how difficult is on on a coach's family? Well, it it's extremely difficult. It's really difficult. Um, I brought up the Michigan State situation um, when my brother went there as the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach under John L. Smith. And his family, they – they had just been at Purdue. Um, Purdue, it was interesting. There a lot of stuff going on. But the bottom line was the family, um, everybody moved to, uh, I think Hastings is outside of East Lansing. So they moved to Hastings. Blaine gets the job. They move. They uproot the kids. Blaine John is going into high school. Bree is in middle school and Matthew may have been just into the sixth grade and they go there. They, they are in Hastings for less than six months. The, the, the team, all the coaches get fired. They play out the season. They coach the rest of the season, but they got noticed in November. They, they just moved there. In August, July, maybe, maybe it's July, right? So now they get fired. Blaine John decides I'm out. So he, he moves back to West Lafayette, lives with another family so that he can be in high school with all his buddies. Because now, now they don't know what they're going to do. So it did, man. It divided up. It divided the family. They had a contract until March. And then after that, they moved, the whole family moved back to West Lafayette. And Blaine took a head job at um, Lafayette Jeff, a high school there. And uh, he was there for a couple of years. But it's really hard. And it's hard on the siblings. It's hard on the parents. It's, it's hard on everybody. And yes, it's a part of the business. It is a part of the business. And that's where it's really hard to separate that college football. Number one is a business first. It absolutely is a business first. So it's hard. It's really hard. You know, Dory, um, I don't like to put blame on people, 
but <laughs> that's what I'm going to do right now. Um, go for it. <laughs> you you were supposed to go see the Huskies oh! play Stanford. <laughs> you decided to, you know, hang out by the bay and, you know, sip margaritas and enjoy life instead of uh, going to the game and, uh, and okay. seeing that matchup. And obviously you affected the attendance because oh, when yeah. you look at the images of the Pac-12 after dark, there was about six people there. And obviously yeah. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, Scott, you know, what's going on with fans? Is, is it the is it the Halloween weekend? Is it pricing? Is it the schedule? Is the lack of lack of, uh, um, you know, entertainment value, you know, seeing teams play out there? We're like, what are your what are your initial thoughts on why are these stadiums empty? Well, I, I, I honestly, I don't. I, I would just say, I think it's a Pac-12 problem. I think it's a real big issue, and I think that they need to address it. And I think they have to need great, great leadership from the new guy, George Kalkoff, I believe his name. Um, you know, he, they, they, you know, the same picture was shown of UC, USC for their homecoming game, and they had maybe 14 more people than the Stanford crew had. I mean, it's embarrassing, and it needs to be addressed, and it needs to be talked about. I, I don't know if it's. I think it's a lot of what you just said. I do think that, you know, unfortunately, pricing is a big issue. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, pro, you know, uh, Halloween weekend, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is your product needs to be good. I was, you know, you and I talked earlier today. I was a little frustrated that, uh, you know, which, which I think is a great story, what's happening down at Corvallis. And unfortunately, they, they ran into a dud against Cal this weekend. But, you know, yeah. uh, the, the best product that we've got going a really the good story in the Pac-12 is what's happening at Oregon State. And they're on the Pac-12 network, which half the country can't get anyways because they're on DISH. And um, that's, you know, an issue there in itself. Um, and, and, and they're on at three in the afternoon. And then what do we show, on, you, know, Nash, uh, the, the, you know, the other game? You know, we don't even show the, even the best game, which is the Utah game later in the day. And so it's, it's a bigger issue. They need to really, really look at this all the stuff that's going on, how we're doing these things, how we're promoting this program. I kind of say, you know, after dark is after when you're sleeping. Um, and, and then the other issue is when, how they wanted to, you know, say, we want to play nine o'clock games. I don't think that addresses the issue. Because now you're talking about kids. You and I talked about it earlier today, Will. I mean, half the kids are coming in from the bars at 9 a.m. <laughs> and they're supposed to be at the tailgate. I mean, that ain't going to happen. I mean, that's even a worse idea. So it's a, a, a deal that you need to address. They need to get that CBS contract here coming up that the SEC is walking away from and going to ESPN. If they don't get that, I think we're, it, the Pac-12 is in a world of hurt for a while. They've got to figure this out. They have to. Dory? Well, I think, um, I think you're right on a lot of points. I also think that last weekend, T tell me which game was going to be a marquee game in the Pac-12. I, I, I think across the board, none of the games were really marquee games. People would have promoted Oregon, but Oregon just hammered Colorado. Mm, yeah. And But I just don't think that any of the matchups were – if, if that's what – if you have to have a really good matchup, a sexy matchup to bring people into the stadium – I, not one of them last week for the Pac-12 was. Not one of them, I didn't think. And so I, I think 
it turned out that WSU-ASU really was the marquee game in the Pac-12 last, last week. Absolutely was the marquee game. And, and WSU continues to win in spite of Crazy Town Rolo. Uh, so I just, I, I think that had to do some, I think, I think the matchups last week, unfortunately, it used to not matter. Unfor- it used to be, you go, you travel at the Stanford game, the Husky band and the Husky section of people that were there were louder than anybody that was there for Stanford. So that's, I, it used to be that it didn't matter who your team was playing. You were there to, for your team. That's the way it used to be. And I don't know that it is that it's that way anymore. I, I feel like there are a lot of Fairweather fans and um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week with Washington and Oregon at the greatest setting in college football. You know, Dory, you're a season ticket holder. Um, yep. How have you seen the pricing for tickets in the last decade? Well, um, the last two years, they didn't go up, right? And um, they, they kept ticket prices where they were. So that was good. This year, there was not an increase in ticket prices. And there wasn't an increase in the tie, um, the tie fee. So even with all of the money that was lost last year, there was not a, t- uh, uh, it didn't cost more for tickets. Um, ticket prices, going to, a, going to a collegiate game is still a better deal than going to a pro game. Still more affordable. So that I'll tell you for sure. You can get general admission into the University of Washington for $36. Now you're in the end zone, um, but you know, it's still a good ticket. Not in the dog pack, not where the students are, but you're in the other end zone. Uh, so it's still a better price and it's, it, than going to a pro game for sure. Washington beat Stanford at the game that nobody saw. Um, they get that win 20 to 13, um, as they get ready, as you alluded to their matchup against the ducks and we'll see how that goes. And I'm pretty sure that that's going to be your game, uh, game of the week or game to watch. Um, Jimmy Lake, um, is, uh, is, is not doing really well at some of these, uh, conference press conferences, um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up right here and I wish I had the picture there to show, but quote unquote, this is way more pumped up than it is. Our battles are really the schools that we go against have academic prowess, like the university of Washington, Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go with a lot of battles toe to toe all the way to the end with those schools. So I think that's made up and pumped up in the media's world, in our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. That was in reference to Oregon. He was asked what question is specifically what he was he asked. He was asked about the recruiting competition between Washington and Oregon, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Well, dude, once again, so the coach that, that like, where's coach Peterson when you need him? Oh yeah. Wait a minute. He's on the big college show and, and, and really the best guy on their, on the, in their studio for sure. Absolutely the best. The longer I watched that pregame studio into the Washington Stanford game, the more I miss coach Peterson. And now like, where's coach Peterson when you need him, Jimmy Lake, dude, there's still bulletin board material. That's not, that's not from the past. So thank you very much, dude. Thank you very much. I don't know, but Scott. I've been told. <laughs> well, it's, it's Monday night and I'm concerned yeah. about Concerned about the tequila consumption in the Dory Bennett home this week. <laughs> you guys make me out to be this huge drinker. If you knew how much I don't drink, that's not the well, point. The don't the don't let part. the truth get in get in the way of a good story. When you said, "Dude, me and Will both went Move back," it's coming. It's coming. Here, let me be the role player for you. Hey, the cold, the tequila is cold, and the shot glasses are in the freezer. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, going back to what Will was talking about, I think, number one, Dory, you, you hit it right on the nose. You, you can't say those things the week of a game. Number two, I, number two, I, 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 this is a Pac-12 position I have on the whole thing. Sometimes we act like in the Pac-12 we're, we're the academic elitist. Like, if you want to be in the Ivy League, then go play in the Ivy League and be act that way if you want to do those things. Mm. I mean, right now, the That's SEC – SEC is not even worried about academics. They just brought in Texas and Oklahoma and made another $60 million. And when we're talking about leagues trying to, you know, add more to you, and all of a sudden you're going to play this academic prowess BS, you can't do it. I mean, number one. And number two, we're, we're eighth in the league right now in recruiting in the league in Pac-12. They're eighth in the country in recruiting. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think I'll take their eight over our eight again. Well, we have math again. Eight, yeah. eight now. In eight league. Yeah. yeah. So stop. I'm getting anxious. Yeah, yeah we that yeah. that international way better than eight league wise. So it's really frustrating. Really frustrating. Well, I'm guessing Jen Cohen was speed dialing. She just had come here on the text. You cannot be that ridiculous and not know that like. What ha what has happened? What has happened to gamesmanship? What what has happened to play it close to the best? Be under the damn radar. Why why do you want to put a big old bullseye on this on the team? You have a lot of freshmen, true freshmen, and redshirt freshmen, and this is really what you want to put out there for them. If he's trying to raise the bar for his players to be competitive, there are better ways. Hey, listen. Yep. He's an adult. He knows what he's doing, whether it's right or wrong or indifferent. Nobody else's job to tell him what to do, what not to do. So if he's going to open his mouth and act, you know, and say things that are, I think, detrimental across the board, um, I think it's a problem. And, and I think it's something besides what he said 
the way the Pac-12 is being looked at right now, um, I, 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 you know, it's almost kind of like all these ADs should just call each other and be like, hey, man, let, let's be let's play nice a little bit because our, our conference is being shitted on as it is. We don't need to help pile on the manure, you know, yeah. that's already being shoveled on us. So besides what he said, you, you know, you, you're talking about a top 10 team that's ranked, that's, you know, representing your conference. So this is like other level thinking. Yeah. You know, Dude, so if you, if you gonna, press, say again, be boring in your press conference, put every cliche on the planet out there. Don't don't give the other team who's a six and a half point favorite as the books opened up. But trust me, that's just because their Vegas is trying to get people to put money on this game because who's going to put money on it? I, I don't bet, by the way, uh, it's not my thing, but she, she doesn't drink that, either. but with that said man like like be under the radar absolutely be under the radar scott uh, speaking of gamesmanship (sighs) unfortunately um high school football team uh inglewood um decided to um pound um, Morningside High School and their football team, 106 to nothing. Um, it was to the, the fact that um, even to the point that they were up 104 to nothing and the coach called for a two-point conversion, which they it was successful to make it 106. The quarterback, Justin Martin, um, he's off to UCLA. He's going to be their quarterback. He threw 13 touchdowns which is a national high school football record for, but for our conversation, who really gives a shit? Yeah. Um, head coach Milvon James, that's the head coach for uh, Inglewood. Um, he was fired from his previous job in 2016 for using ineligible players. And he told the refs um, that he's not going to allow them to switch to a running clock, even though they were up 59 to nothing after the first quarter. Um, obviously, the head coach for Morningside, Brian Collis, said it was a classless move. I could go on and on. Um, as a former coach, I mean, what, what are your thoughts when you hear, read, see things like that? We saw, you know, Lake Stevens a couple of weeks ago doing something like that. And, and, and unfortunately, this happens around the country. Um what, what just what are your thoughts, initial thoughts when you hear about something like that? Well, I, 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 you know, to what Dory does in her personal life as a, as a coach and an educator. Yeah. Our job is to be an educator. And that's one of the jobs of, of, as a coach. You know, like Dory saying, you know, like Coach James used to say, take blame, give credit. I mean, that's our job to be educators. And when you and I mean, it's one of the things I always teach. My first thing is that women class lose with class. We're going, there's going to be nights when you, you're just going to get beat by a better team and you know, you got to do it right. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I've been in situations where I knew I was going to beat the other team and I would just literally tell the coach by X time, we're going to, you know, we're just going to run over these two holes and you can have all your guys sitting there waiting for them. And then we'll, you know, there's just things you can do to, 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 to stop the embarrassment and things like that, but to do what they've done. And this guy's obviously had a prior, you know, case against them, what he's doing. It's beyond costless. It's not what, and you know, and unfortunately, you know, 
uh, you know, the way social media works. I mean, it's, it's, you know, glamorized. They took a picture on the field after the game, yeah. you know, uh, acting like it was all great and cool and stuff like that. It's just, it's really sad. It's, it's, and it's, uh, you know, it's something we need to address. I've been a coach before I've been involved in those games and, you know, I even say run the clock at halftime. So when we come out, there's zero, zero, zero. And we just go home. I mean, you're up 56, now, 59, nothing at half in the first quarter. I mean, look, we need to have a discussion. And to your point, what were you talking before off, off the air? I'd be mad if I was the parent of that kid who threw the 13 touchdown. He just get, I mean, the other kids are getting pissed off, frustrated, mad, 106 down by 104 points. They go for two. What says some kid just gets just mad and just comes in and just takes that kid's legs out? And he's done. You know, I've seen it before. I've seen kids be active that way. So it's just, it does everything we all teach everything the opposite of the thing. And it's sad to me where we're at in those, in those regards. Dory? Yeah. So uh, even Dick Vital chimed in on this one. And he says, this violates everything you want from a leader of a high school team. How can anyone in their right mind defend the coach of Inglewood? He's up 104 to zero and goes for a two-point conversion to win 106 to, to nothing. How, how can you possibly, in that end quote, but how can you possibly, I, I, the, the other coach, lots of lessons about what you don't want to do when you have a lead. Lots of lessons came out of that game. And unfortunately, the team that doesn't need to learn the lesson is the one that will be listening to their coach and learning the lesson. The other team, they're the ones that those players need to hear how absolutely classless this was and don't be proud of the score but they're not going to get that message. And that's the message they need to get. Yeah. It's well, um, it's, it's so shameful. I mean, um, most of the coaches that we know, I mean, almost to a T and obviously there's different levels and um, they're teachers, right? You're, 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 you're trying to teach these kids, you know, teamwork, um, you know, for some places you're just giving these kids an opportunity to go somewhere else after school, besides going home, going to the hood, going to the stoop, any of those type of scenarios. All right. There's a million different stories, a million different kids, and they all have a different story, right? Parents, maybe not, maybe they're not home. You know, they don't have certain things. This is their place to, to gather, to get healthy, to get some exercise. And besides everything else that we think of football, but even to the little things to get tutoring. If you got a good coach, he has a tutor that'll help the kids keep their grades up to de demand yeah. that they study and pass that test so they could play on Friday night. So many critical elements of what these coaches mean to the schools, to the communities, to the families, to these kids. And when you see something like that, you know, and it gets highlighted. And obviously that's what we're doing here because we're talking about it and it gets highlighted like that. It, it's so frustrating because so many other people 
do it the right way, whether it's football, basketball, whatever the sport is. So many great coaches do such a great job. And when you see something like this, and like Scott mentioned, it was glorified. They were posing on the field, taking pictures. They had the big score, 106 to nothing. It was really, really upsetting. And for them not to know, hey, this is something wrong. To, for a kid to go out there and throw 13 touchdown passes, you know, and, and, and the coach saying, no, I don't want the clock to run. We're, we're going to, I mean, yeah. was this a personal vendetta or whatever? But it, to me, it just shows that just the lack of class and the ego. And this is about the coach. This has yeah. nothing to do with the players. When yeah. you do something like this, this is about you. That's it. It's not yeah. about, hey, look what we did. And hey, I showcased your kids. I did that. No, mm-mm. No, this is this is about your ego going out there and doing those things. And it's um, it's really, really upsetting. Do you guys have any uh, last thing that you want to add to that as we uh, wrap it up? I'm good. I think you said it well, Will. I think you said it really well. All right. What's your games to watch? What are you watching next weekend? Go ahead, Scott. Come on. Well, I always start off with this one game. Uh, I think I watched State Maryland do that um you know uh you know here we go november is when it when it when it all gets said and done so we're gonna find out who the pretenders and who the real teams are i mean that's it's it, you know every weekend or every monday i would say god that was a good weekend of football, college football yeah. and you know it's been, it's been a great year it's been fun it's nice to see fans in the stands again it's it's all those things and every weekend it's, it's been fun and you know, to kind of press on to what you said earlier, Will, it's, it's kind of depressing uh, that we're only a couple of weeks away from the season being yeah, over. That's crazy. That, that's part, crazy. that part is very scary to me, but it's also, man, and we're going to find out who the pretenders and who the contenders are in this whole deal. And, uh, you know, so like you said, that Alabama just sat outside the VIP room and now they're back in the VIP room. So we're going to find out. We're going to find out. There's going to be some good games coming down the road. So <laughs> they're all good. Obviously, me and Dory, we both, we bleed a little purple. So uh, that game at four 30 at the Husky stadium is going to be important. So uh, despite the, despite the stuff that's on the wall right now, Dory down in Oregon. Yeah. Um, I will be uh, full on dog central this weekend. Uh, that will definitely be the, the, the game I'm uh, is your dad Is your dad in. coming in for the game? Short Dog and Marcella are coming in on Friday. They arrive about noon on Friday. So they are are in town. Um, uh, Even when the Huskies were in a a tough position of losing games, I said, Dad, are you sure you want to come? He says, yes, we're coming. I'm looking forward to being there. That's great. So, uh, yeah, it's always a great weekend. It's always a great weekend. And um, we're celebrating his birthday a little early, but uh, this is what we do with Short Dog and Marcella that we get, we so get, make, we do a game together. So make sure you get your betting in before they show up and your tequila shots in before <laughs> they show up. Before you, you hey, man. So, so here's the deal I might still be their daughter, but last time I checked, I'm grown. And so were they. My dad's the one that kept telling me that that shot glass was an automatic double. Like I thought it was a single the whole time. It's definitely a single. 
It's definitely a single. That's a single shot glass. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm so glad, uh, you know, you know, coach, coach Bennett's coming to town, you know, so yeah, that's, awesome. that, that's always a lot of fun. And, um, yeah. and maybe we could work something out. I'd love to swing by and at least wave and say hello. Um, for me, oh, sure. um, for sure. Notre Dame's playing Navy. It was the longest running, uh, streak or matchup, uh, every season until last year when they didn't get a chance <sighs> to play. So that ended that. So now the new longest matchup is Army versus Air Force. And that is something that is always special when they when these teams play, um, you know, whether it's trying to get the, the commander in chiefs trophy um, uh, Army uh, Air Force's winning that series 33, 15 and one. They had the one tie. The one tie was on October 31st, 1959. They played to a 10, 10 tie for their, in their first game ever, their first matchup ever in Yankee stadium. That's where they played their first game and first matchup ever at the old Yankee stadium. So I will keep an eye on that game because those games are always so special and what those kids do to get out on the field, to, to the, to put in the work, to run, to train. And, and these are some of the top, you know, schools in all of America, their commitment. And uh, there's a great documentary. I can't remember. And you guys might've seen it is it, it was following the uh, Navy that year. And they had a bunch of recruits come in, and things like that. And they followed the whole season and, uh, you know, was trying to train for the Navy SEALs, getting ready, graduation, the commitment. I, it's absolutely amazing. So I'm always rooting for those kids. I'm always rooting for those teams. And I will be looking forward to that matchup. Awesome. All right, boys and girls, I am going to uh, finish my M&Ms. I got a three musketeer here. It's a little mini. So I, it, 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 it's it's just small, so it doesn't count. I don't even think I'm eating chocolate. And I got a little Milky Way uh, mini also. Um, there you go. So I whatever I can put in my pockets. And then next week when you see me, if I have zits all over my face like a little 15-year-old <laughs> kid, then you know what happened. So it's really good to see you guys. We will, uh, we'll do it again next week and uh, enjoy the games. And I'll talk to you guys. All right. That's good. Thanks, guys. Bye, Scott. Bye, Will. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.